It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The best part of the Washington Commanders 53-man roster and the parts that need to prove the most this season. That and more coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Commanders Fantasy, your Thursday episode of Locked On Commanders. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you continue this conversation with me via subtext. Uh, text me straight from your phone by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And you can go one-on-one with me, your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82 credential member of the media and Washington Commanders reporter for CommanderCountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Here with you every Monday through Friday and sometimes a little bit extra, along with our every dares and every dares you already know. But I'm going to tell you anyway, I appreciate you for your continued support for the program. Uh, always appreciate you coming through. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Technically, this is your second episode of Thursday. Our ultimate NFL divisional preview dropped on Thursday afternoon as well. So if you haven't caught that, please go back and check that out. It's a, it's a great effort put on by the entire network, and you can get an entire league view of what's going on. Best quarterbacks in divisions, most likely teams to make the playoffs in the divisions, all kinds of good stuff going on there. Uh, you can break it up in chunks. You guys know how YouTube works and, and audio. Uh, you can break it up as much as you need to. But on this episode of Locked On Commanders, we are going to hear from Washington Commanders tight end Logan Thomas and active roster receiver Mitchell Tinsley. But first, we're going to discuss the strongest units on the Washington Commanders 53-man roster. And we'll also talk about the ones, uh, the units that need to prove the most this coming season. As we continue to evaluate the 53-man roster, right, the The initial reactions are just those initial reactions. As we start to dive a little bit deeper into this 53-man roster, I wanted to take this episode to talk about the strongest parts of it. And then again, we'll look at the parts that I don't want to call it the weakest, but the parts that have the most to prove to us, to the media, to the fans, to themselves, to be quite honest with you, in some aspects uh, this season. So we're going to start with the strongest position groups of the roster, right? Let's start with the good news first. And I think the strongest position group on this roster, and I think most of you agree with me, the defensive line, right? It's got to be the defensive line. It's kind of ironic uh, when you consider, and every day as you'll remember this, our AAR of the preseason, right? So following the final preseason game of the year, not only do we do an AAR of the game kind of, but we did an AAR of the entire preseason. Um, 
And in that AAR, my improve was the pass rush. It was turning pressures into sacks. Getting pressures was good, but turning pressures into sacks. Now, grain of salt was there was mostly depth players, right? We're talking about KJ Henry, who had nine pressures according to PFF in the preseason, but no sacks, things like that, right? So really talking about depth. But if you look at the top of this position group, uh, we all know you got the four first round draft picks, right? You got John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and of course, Chase Young, who is returning this season. And that's really kind of where I wanted to talk about this was the return of Chase Young. So the Washington Commanders defensive line last year without Chase Young for most of the season uh, had three top 25 pass rush grades among defensive linemen with 440 or more pass rush attempts in 2022. Again, that's according to Pro Football Focus. Miami Dolphins, they were the only other team to achieve the same feat of having uh, at least 440 pass rushes across their defensive line, and three of those rushers making the top 25 in pass rush grades. Only Miami, only Washington can claim that right. Uh, Not Philadelphia, who had all those sacks. Nobody else can claim that, right? So... Between the top three guys, John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, they combined last season to tally up 168 pressures. That's more pressures than the entire Chicago Bears team. Not the entire Chicago Bears defensive line. The entire Chicago Bears team had fewer than 168 total pressures. Again, according to PFF, Deron Payne, John Allen, Montez Sweat outpaced them uh, by themselves. Don't even need to worry about James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, the linebacker, safeties, DBs. Nobody, doesn't matter. Just those three guys outpaced an entire NFL team. And I understand the Chicago Bears, not exactly the greatest defense in the world last year, not exactly the best team in the world last year, but I don't care if you're the worst team in the NFL. If you have three dudes outpacing your entire defense for pressures, that's really bad for you, obviously, but it's also, I think, really really impressive by the unit that's doing uh, the outpacing. Now, when you look at these, the, this trio against the rest of the national football league, they're the seventh best trio in total pressures. Only San Francisco, Philadelphia, New England, Minnesota, Kansas city, and Dallas got more combined pressures from their top three pass rushers than Washington did. And to be fair, PFF counted Micah Parsons in here. You can call him an edge. You can call him a linebacker. You can call him whatever you want. A lot of people have different names for him. But Michael Parsons had 90 by himself for the Dallas Cowboys. That's insane. And uh, so if you take Michael Parsons out, which you can't do, he is on the field, right? So it's only fair. But if you were to take him out, uh, obviously, the rest of the Dallas uh, Cowboys pass rushing top trio would not even hold a candle to what Washington did. Uh, Washington did. Now, the good news with those th- those 17 or those six teams Uh, outpacing the Washington Commanders' top pass rushing trio is that the fourth guy. When you look at the fourth best guy on those teams, San Francisco's fourth best pass rusher, 20 pressures. Phillies, 43. That's pretty good. New England's 23. Minnesota's 29. Kansas City's 35. Dallas, 36. So really, you're looking at at a very low, I wouldn't say very low, but a, a maintainable threshold for Chase Young now that he's coming back fully added to this team. We'll see if he plays week one. That's a later conversation. But assuming that he returns fully to this team this season, he really has a fairly maintainable or manageable bar to cross in order to help make this trio the best quartet in the National Football League. Almost forgot the word for four guys. Um, now we turn to the sacks, right? The uh, the trio, Deron Payne, John Allen, Montez Sweat combined for 21 sacks in the NFL last year. That's the seventh best trio in the National Football League. Only San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Philly, of course, Philly, 
uh, the New York Jets, New England, and Minnesota had a better top three sack getter rates. Uh, again, this is defensive lineman, right? Um, the fourth guy on those teams, four for San Francisco, two sacks for Pittsburgh, nine sacks for Philly, four sacks for the Jets, three sacks for New England, three sacks for Minnesota. So really, if Chase Young comes through and gets, say, four sacks this year, that automatically puts the Washington Commanders quartet on pace to be the second best best foursome in sack rates uh, in the National Football League this season compared to last season. Of course, these other teams could also improve their production as well. So just to be fair. But what's really interesting is without Chase Young for most of last year, James Smith-Williams got the most reps replacing Chase in 2022, and he racked up 24 pressures on his own and two sacks, which means without Chase, the commander's starting defensive line, if you make James Smith-Williams that guy, uh, was arguably already the sixth best defensive line Again, without Chase Young. So that means that if Chase Young can come back and if Chase Young can be what people hope Chase Young can be, this defensive line could very well be top five in the National Football League easily. Top three, top one uh, is certainly within reach. So defensive line, my top unit for this Washington Commanders 53-man roster. They get the gold medal. The secondary and the receiver groups were in the running to be the second best unit on the 53-man roster. Who won the silver? I'm going to tell you that next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'll do that thanks to our friends at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get five, can bet $5, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5, you get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Right now, now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be at bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. I love, love, love those stacking those props. I just, I just absolutely love it. So visit FanDuel.com/slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks again for being a Locked On Commander. Your first listen or view today and every day. And every day is once again, like we always do. I want to thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Continuing our, continuing our conversation today about the strongest parts of the Commander's 53-man roster. Uh, we turn now to the receiver group, which is, uh, I think, the second best unit on this team. They get the silver medal, but it was a close competition between the secondary group and the receiver group. The secondary group coming in. Third in my book, uh, and, and honestly, it came down to the fact that two of the five starters in the secondary, if you count the slot defender as a starting defender, uh, two of the five are new, right? So Benjamin St. Juice did start last season in the slot. So there's a little bit of quantifiable data and things we can look at there. But he played most of the season, finished this hit, finished his season, uh, unfortunately injured, but also finished his season playing outside. And then, of course, rookie Emmanuel Forbes is on the outside. We could try to project as much as we can what he's going to do in the National Football League. But... The bottom line is Emmanuel Forbes unproven in the regular season. Benjamin St. Juice, I'll say mostly unproven, right? Again, we do have a small sample size, but it's been a minute since we saw him in the slot in a regular season NFL game. I will say during training camp, and I think during the preseason, 
looked better in the slot than he looked at this time last season. So I think for you know, for what that's worth, I do think there's some improvement there from Ben. Uh, I feel like the fact that I can't quantify the entire starting secondary nearly as much as I can quantify the starting receiver group, that trio uh, really does give them the edge. That's why I give the receiving group uh, receiver group, the second place finish and the secondary group, the third place finish. If you have them flipped, I mean, it's fine. Like I said, I went back and forth on it. Uh, that's ultimately where I settled. So this, this starting receiver group, uh, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. And again, we may not see Terry McLaurin in week one. We'll talk obviously more and more about that as we get into next week's preparation. But as of right now, we're not even seeing him at practice, let alone seeing him get ready. I have a feeling that we are not going to see Terry until week two in Denver at the earliest, maybe not even until week three uh, back home against the Buffalo Bills. But that's for later conversations. But last year, Washington's top three receivers all had 35 or more catches. And Jahan Dodson finished the season with 35. Again, he missed those five games with a hamstring injury, came back, had to ramp back up, the quarterback issues, all that stuff, right? So having a trio of receivers catch 35 or more balls, not exactly rare, right? Also doing that last year, Arizona, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Dallas, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston, Indianapolis, uh, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, the Chargers, uh, Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco, and Tampa Bay. That's two, four, six, eight. 10, 12, 14 other teams. So 15 teams, including Washington, had receivers catch 35 or more balls. But the rest of the league didn't. Now, some of them leaned on tight ends like Travis Kelsey, right? And some of them leaned on running backs. But we're talking about the receiving group as in general. Only these 15 teams had receiving groups that caught 35 or more balls uh, in their top three receiver groups. So, so I think that's it's not significant, but it is just kind of something to kind of quantify how good this receiver group is by itself. Now, taking that a layer deeper, Washington Commanders receivers in general last season had to catch 92 contested balls. Well, they didn't catch them. They had, they faced 92 contested passes from Washington Commanders quarterbacks. And we've chronicled in depth uh, the struggles that the Washington Commanders quarterback group had last year, right? But the 92 contested targets, only five other teams, the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texans, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had more contested targets in their 2022 campaign. Of those teams, including Washington, so of those six teams, four of them are going with new quarterbacks this year. Now, really three of them, because the Arizona Cardinals, they're not going with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray's injured. But Kyler Murray got injured last year, and a lot of those contested targets came from other quarterbacks who are not starting for the Arizona Cardinals anymore. Feel me? So I still count them as one of the teams going with a new quarterback. Obviously, the Houston Texans are going with uh, number one overall pick, or number two overall pick, sorry, C.J. Stroud. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going with Baker Mayfield after Tom Brady retired. The Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings are sticking with Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins, but we can't ignore the fact that there are a lot of questions about whether or not Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins for both teams are really the long-term answer or even the next three-year answer. Uh, for each of those teams. So a lot of quarterback conversation, a lot of quarterback questions going around. Only those two teams choosing not to address that question this season. So with better quarterback play from the Washington Commanders, from starter Sam Howell, which we have seen so far in the preseason, in training camp, and we hope to continue to see going into the regular season, this receiving trio that is already top half in the NFL in receptions, even with the one of their guys missing five games and having a three-game ramp-up, essentially being either out or or hobbled, I'll call it, for eight games last year, still finishing the top half, half of receptions in the National Football League, should climb even higher, right? So 
when you look at that contextualization, when you talk about the numbers and you put them in context and the fact that they're in the top half with subpar quarterback play, even solid quarterback play from Sam Howell, doesn't even have to be great, but even solid, not throwing contested passes time after time after time after time will make this receiver group a little bit better. You're going to see improvement there. And we know how this works, right? Sam Howell is going to get a lot of credit for this receiving group getting better if he plays even solid football. He's going to get a lot of credit, and maybe it, maybe his status gets a little bit inflated, which you know what? I wouldn't even hate. Um, but hopefully we here can keep everything on the up and up, right? So it just shows how much heavy lifting this receiver group has already been, been doing. Commanders fans, you already know Terry McLaurin's been doing a hot, lot of heavy lifting since he got to the franchise, let alone last season. With a healthy Curtis Samuel last season with Jahan Dotson coming in the first round, all three of these guys doing a lot of heavy lifting for their quarterbacks. So again, if the quarterback can carry some of that weight himself this year, which we think that he can, uh, should be even better for that receiver group. So now let's flip over to two units that have a lot to prove here. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about are the linebackers, or sorry, the first one I'm going to talk about the offensive line. The second one I'm going to talk about is the linebackers. Now the offensive line, I think, has the most to prove uh, to a certain extent because four of the five players on the offensive line are new starters to their positions. Charles Leno Jr., the left tackle, is the only returning starter, right? Left guard, uh, Sadiq Charles is new. Center Nick Gates is new. Right guard Sam Cosme is new. Not to the team, obviously, not to the starting lineup even, but to the starting right guard position. Andrew Wiley, the new right tackle, is brand new in all levels. Sadiq Charles, not new to the team, but new starter at left guard. So uh, I think those four of the five guys, and then Charles Leno, how he's going to click and help those other guys uh, continue to grow and continue to improve. Certainly a lot to prove uh, on their table. And, and we know that just from the fact that literally every single day, as I'm reaching out to my subtext to practice, I'm saying, hey, guys, practice is about to start. Tell me what you want to know about today. Almost every day, how's the offensive line look? You know what I mean? And, and, it's, and it's, 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 it's more than understandable because of how many questions there were. But I think that we all also saw this offensive line grow during training camp, grow throughout the preseason competitions. And uh, I think that they, they, they did a pretty good job of coming together. And I think Coach Juan Castillo deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to do because uh, offensive line coach Travell Wharton missed a lot of training camp due to the back surgery that he had to have or the back injury that he suffered. Uh, Travell is back. I saw him on the practice field on Thursday. Uh, honestly, he may have been back for a couple more practices. I don't really scout the coach's attendance, uh, but it was the first time I noticed Travell Wharton uh, out there. So good to see him back there on the practice field. So now he's back. He and Coach Juan can hopefully make this group uh, accelerate even better. Logan Thomas, who you're going to hear about here or hear from here in just a little bit, uh, talked about his confidence in the offensive line group and what he's seen from them as well. The other position group that's got something to prove, a lot to prove this season, the linebackers, right? Uh, it's hard to take Cody Barton's stats from 2022 to heart too much because every Seahawks media member that I've talked to and it's multiples, like I didn't even real realize how many Seahawks media members I knew until Cody Barton got signed. And I'm like, I need to talk to somebody who knows Cody Barton. Oh, I know all these people. Like it's, it was, it was kind of an epiphany uh, for me, a, a weird realization. I'm, I've never lived in the Pacific Northwest. So I don't know why I know all these guys, but I do. And they're good guys. And they all told me uh, he wasn't a good fit for Seattle. Cody Barton was not a good fit in Seattle, but he's going to be a great fit in Washington from where they stand. So he's going to be much better. So when we look at the numbers, right, Barton had the 42nd best pass rush grade, according to PFF, among linebackers with 28 or more pass rushes. 42nd is not that good when you're talking about that, right? He had the second lowest pass rush rate of that group. So that puts it in context. But he also had an 11.1 pass rush win rates, which was 24th uh, out of that group. Not very good. Uh, he had 424 run defense snaps, according to PFF, last season and was ninth out of 12 linebackers that had 420 more, so near the bottom 
Uh, but he only had five missed tackles and he wasn't flagged at all last season. Again, according to PFF. So those are, that's the bright side, right? Of the 32 linebackers in the league, that got 440 or more pass coverage snaps. Barton finished 22nd out of the 32 with a 60 PFF grade and allowed a 96.9 QBR when targeted. Not good. Not good. But again, it's hard to take those to heart, really, because every Seahawks person tells me he was not right in that scheme. They were not employing him correctly. He'll be employed better in Washington. I asked Cody Barton during training camp if he agreed with that sentiment. More so, did he feel like he was a better fit in Washington than a bad fit in Seattle? And he only chose to answer the Washington side. He said, yes, he feels like he's a better fit in Washington, which I totally get. And I, and I don't blame him. You know what I mean? You don't want to badmouth your own old team necessarily. So, you know. So Cody obviously feels like he's a better fit in Washington than he was in Seattle. All the media members there, not only did they think that, but they were actually happy to see Cody go somewhere else because they all think he's such a great guy. They want to see him successful. And I can vouch for the little bit that I've gotten to know him. I think he's a great guy too. He's been awesome in the locker room and off the practice field, right? So for what that's worth. But again, when you can't take the numbers to heart, but the numbers are still bad, you just kind of are where you are, right? So that's what we talk about when we have a lot to prove. Not that he's a bad linebacker, just you got to see it. Right. So we start, we'll start seeing that week one. And then obviously there's Jamin Davis, right? And Jamin Davis has been here for a little bit. Uh, he had a better run defense grade last year than Barton did. Jamin had a 66.1, but he also had one more missed tackle, six missed tackles, but six missed tackles an entire season. Not, not super terrible. Uh, Davis did have a 66.2 pass rush grade and a 9.7% pass rush win rate. Both of those numbers worse than Cody Barton's all leading to a heaping pile of doubt around the linebacker position as a whole. And a lot to prove. And then, of course, there's the Jamin Davis court case, which uh, my understanding, if the rumors are true, he was back in court on Thursday. Um, at the time of this recording, I don't have an update on that, but I'm sure that an update will be coming out. Likely, the update will be coming from Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. So if you want to keep up to date on that, uh, certainly keep an eye on Nikki. She's been all over that story from the jump. And uh, it certainly looks like that judge is, is pretty determined that Jamin Davis is going to serve some jail time. I don't know when that's going to come, uh, but he... But he or she, I can't remember the name of the judge, but uh, he or she seems to be pretty determined on that. So we'll just have to see how that impacts the team. Uh, so which unit has more to prove? I say the linebackers have more to prove, but the offensive line, obviously what they're going to prove is more important, right? To the, to the total success of the team. So those are my two units. I have a lot to prove. Injury news coming out of practice on Thursday, not practicing Thursday. Terry McLaurin with a toe injury. Federia Mathis, calf. F.A. Obata, Patella practicing, but injured. Logan Thomas, calf. Chase Young, Stinger. Kendall Fuller knee. Uh, we got some updates later in the day. Uh, Fedarian Mathis and F.A. Obata sent to the short-term IR, so they're not going to miss the entire season, but they are going to miss at least a chunk of the season. F.A. Obata's injury, Ron Rivera described it, has to do with the patella. Didn't really know the specifics, just patella, because he's not a doctor, and neither am I. Um, so Fedarian Mathis, F.A. Obata on the short-term IR. Tyler Larson, the center, defensive tackle, Abdul Anderson, both brought up from the practice squad, signed to the active roster, to replace those two guys. And Coach Rivera also told us that practice squad defensive tackle Benning Potsai may have to uh, pick up some slack as well. So look for him to be a week one practice squad call up uh, against the Arizona Cardinals um, as well. It's about Chase Young, uh, there's a report that Chase Young may or may not be ready for week one. Basically, Ron Rivera just said, look, the doctors are going to do what the doctors do. They got to wait till they get into next week to really see what the doctors think. Uh, there's there's an appointment coming up and it's just it's basically going to just be up to the medicals. Uh, at that point. So practice starts next Tuesday. I don't think we have to get a full practice report till next Wednesday, but whenever we start getting those practice reports, obviously we will be here uh, to drop those for you. Speaking of being here for you, tight end Logan Thomas took some time in the locker room with us as did 
uh, active roster wide receiver Mitchell Tinsley. So we're going to drop both of those interviews next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Commanders. We've been getting some locker room time. It's regular season mode, so after practices, we get locker room time with the players. Actually, starting next week, I think we're getting locker room time before practice with the players, which is really interesting because they're going to be getting focused on practice. I don't think they're going to want to talk to us as much. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, today we're going to start off with a locker room interview with Logan Thomas, a veteran tight end, talking about a lot of things, including how he feels heading into week one's preparation and what he thinks of the offensive line. How are you feeling? We're good. Feel much better. Um, I appreciate the time that they gave me to, to get to the point I need to be at right now. And uh, just excited for what next week holds and uh, getting this thing started off. Do you feel back to normal? Oh, yeah, I feel good. Yeah, I feel back to normal. Uh, feels feels good getting my feet back under me and be out here with the guys and uh, really start to get this thing tuned up. You know, cap strings are so, you know, they, they can linger in a sense. Were you happy in a sense of the, the rehab and where are you at? And do you have to baby it still? Is there, like, limitations? No, no, no. I mean, after yesterday, I don't think there were any limitations. There was a, especially with only a few, a whole lot of few guys that we had. Um, and getting the reps I did, I feel good. Yeah. No residual effects. So we're good. You're a competitor. You always want to be out there with the guys. In that sense, how frustrating was it just to miss that time? Yeah, it was annoying. Um, I felt like I let my tight end group down more than more so than anything because you know, those guys are out there battling every day. You know, 120, 130 reps a day uh, between you know, the five of those guys. So, you know, that's where I really felt like I let them down. Uh, and obviously, secondly, secondly, let down the offense not being out there. But um, I guess the season doesn't start in the preseason. The season starts September 10th. And, uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I'm ready to go then. If it was regular season, would you would it have gone differently the last few weeks? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think Ron spoke to that a couple of times too. So yeah, it would have been. Well, I've been on a different uh, plane, especially uh, moving forward. But moving forward, I bet it would have been a whole lot quicker. Any concerns about missing the time with Sam? Oh uh, yeah, that's one of those things that I wish I would have had. Is you know I got two weeks with him. I wish I would have had the four, four. Um, but we can play catch up. We can work afterwards, work before, and get all that done. And watching the last two preseason games, it seems like the, the O-line kind of was starting to figure each other out. Is that something you noticed from watching? Yeah, it's continuity, man. Those guys are out there every day for 70 plays together, so they ain't got no choice but to, to get a cool for each other. And they did a daggone good job those last two, two games. And super proud of them. Uh, excited about how they played. Uh, and they did a really good job. Every year in this locker room, you guys come in. Some guys obviously are gone. How do you know what the locker room chemistry is going to be like? What kind of sense of those young guys that work with other years? I like it, man. It's uh, they always do a good job of, of weeding out the people they need to weed out uh, and bringing in the people they need to bring in. And, um, I think a couple of people. 
people that we added. Oh, uh, bro, remember that nasty, that tenacity, and, and like Nick. Um, we needed that guy in that offensive line, and it really does a big, big deal for them, but also for the rest of our offensive unit. It's kind of that grit, that dirtiness that we need to have. So much is expected of Sam on the field. What about in this one specifically? What does it mean for that guy to be? Oh, yeah, we don't have any worries about Sam, man. He's a, he's a competitor. He's an athlete. Like, y'all see the quiet version of him. We get to see a little bit more of that spark. Uh, the dude uh, only wants to do is win. He wants to be great for us um, and great and put W's on the board. And, um, and, and he will do that. So we're super excited about who he is and uh, how he commands his locker. All right, once again, that was veteran tight end for the Washington Commanders, Logan Thomas, talking about a multitude of things. And I think the biggest takeaway there, the fact that he feels good, and it sure sounds like he feels confident that he's going to be ready for week one against the Arizona Cardinals. That would be huge. A big shot in the arm for this Washington Commanders offense. Uh, you know, him, him and Sam Howell are going to do some extra work, he said, to get in sync with the time that they missed during training camp in the preseason. Uh, so we look forward to seeing that. But also, uh, just great to see Logan Thomas coming back. I know there's been a lot of concern about whether or not he was going to be able to go. This franchise has not had great tight end injury history. So hopefully that health stays there and we get to see Logan Thomas on the field against the Arizona Cardinals. Now we'll talk to another guy who looks who's looking to be on the field for his first NFL game this coming week uh, or this next week, and that is uh, undrafted free agent rookie receiver Mitchell Tinsley. What is it going to feel like? Oh, it's going to feel great. I mean, this has always been my dream, honestly. You know, growing up, I, you know, I always envisioned myself being, you know, in this position. Uh, you know, it wasn't how I, I envisioned it, but, like, it's, it's, it's everything I thought it would be. Uh, but, yeah, when I get out there, I'll be ready to you know, do my part when I get out there. And uh, I'm like, how did you find out you were on the business? Uh, I didn't necessarily find out. I kind of was like, you know, nobody said anything to me. You know, I was going through the day, like, you know, uh, I mean, my agent, you know, I texted me, was like, congratulations. And some coaches saying congratulations. So that's kind of how I found out. What was that phone call like with mom? What were the emotions there? Uh, she, she, started, uh, she started tearing up a little bit. Uh, my family, you know, they were all happy, happy for me. Uh, they gave me a new call at the night before. So, well, this is obviously one step in the process, right? How does this maybe give you an extra hunger or motivation? Oh, okay. Just make sure. Uh, this is only the beginning. I mean, this is a step in the right direction, but I'm nowhere near. I feel like how good I can be or where I can get to in my day. And, uh, you know, but as of right now, I'm just going to roll my team. I just want to help my team. How did practice feel today, just knowing that you're on the 53 and just being out there with the guys? It felt good. It felt good. You know, I just, you know, obviously, like I said, I, I just want to help my team whenever I can and just keep making plays and be consistent. That's the biggest thing. Be consistent and um, you know, keep working. All right, that was rookie wide receiver Mitchell Tinsley coming out of Penn State, undrafted free agent, uh, two Penn State receivers on this roster. One, a first-round draft pick, Jahan Dotson. The other, an undrafted free agent, Mitchell Tinsley. Couldn't be happier for Mitchell. Couldn't be happier for a lot of these young guys making their first NFL rosters. Uh, again, only 46 active on game day. So Mitchell Tinsley, we'll see if he's actually active on game day. That's still to be determined. Uh, but, you know, either way, certainly excited for him to be on the active 53-man roster. I've got some other interviews that I was able to do. I was not able to get with Dax. He wasn't in the locker room either day this week. Um, he's still nursing a little bit of an injury, so I'm pretty sure he's just been getting treatment. Uh, and, and a lot of times those injured players, the team doesn't really want to talk to him too much because of uh, of all that stuff. But as soon as I see Dax, and I'm not completely sure that he's not avoiding me at this point, uh, but I've got more than a few subtexters who have been texting me about Dax. Um, I promise you all that he is on my list. As soon as I see him, I might just tackle him in the locker room. I won't do that because I'll get kicked out, fired, and, you know, 
certainly won't help Dax Milne's injury recovery. Uh, but I will get Dax Milne uh, on the record as soon as I can. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be back with more locker room interviews from this week's practices. We'll talk more about the 53-man roster get, as we get prepared for next week, our first game week of the season. We have practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I will be back with another episode coming up shortly. In the meantime, after you watch this episode, if you haven't watched the NFL Ultimate Divisional Crossover, please go check that out. A lot of work went into that. Every host on the NFL channel is on there telling you what to expect from each division. I will tell you right now, I took a little bit more of the conservative route with the Washington Commanders. A lot of we haven't seen it yet in the regular season. I know you probably want me on there talking my trash and, and doing all that stuff, but I got to keep it real. We haven't seen it in the regular season yet, so even the excitement around Sam right now Outside the one game, we haven't seen it enough yet for me to sit there and and pound my chest and say, Sam's better than Dak. Sam's better than Jalen. But uh, I think I did a good job representing uh, Commander's coverage for you all. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, in the meantime, whatever, you are, whatever you're on, drop your comments, drop your questions in the YouTube comment section. Hit me on Twitter. Email me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or text me directly by going to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders. As always, thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view of the day today and every day. Every day is, again, greatly appreciate you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thank you for making me a part of your day, part of your football routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.